The Detroit Tigers get shut out yet again in a truly terrible performance just all around by pretty much everyone involved. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We sent Zach Short down. We'll talk about that. Retalk about September call-ups. Uh, Matthew Boyd pitched against the Tigers for the first time since leaving. Uh, we're going to talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. September 2nd. 2022. <clears throat> Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay, the Detroit Tigers dropped the series finale to the Seattle Mariners on Thursday afternoon by a score of seven to nothing. I'm going to be honest with you. I I think I could be wrong. What I saw could have been seen by everybody. But I think that this was truly one of the worst team performances of the entire season. And I think it'll probably just get lost and then this game will be forgotten about. And no one will will remember or, or care about this game or, or remember that it even happened in, in a month's time. Nonetheless... When we start getting into, you know, deep into the offseason and next year, when we look back on this season after this calendar year is over, I doubt that too many people are going to point to this game because there have been so many just beautiful implosions uh, and, and really horrific blowouts. But when I tell you, that Thursday's game, I truly believe is I I don't I'm not going to go out there and say it was the worst. Uh, I'm not even sure that's quantifiable because of how many horrible performances this team has had this year. But this was truly one of the worst all around games that this team has played all season. I I would comfortably put it in the five worst performances of the year. This was horrific. And and it's and the reason that this game sticks out so much to me is that it was everything, everything. The offense shut out again. We're, we're in. We're well into the teens now with how many times we've been shut out this year. This is one of the worst offenses in the history of Major League Baseball. We know that. We'll talk about it later and, and talk about why they they were terrible again. And we'll we'll try to find a different angle. And, and I'll be a lot calmer in five minutes. But Again, terrible offense. Pitching side of things, Erod starts this game, did not have his best stuff, did not have very good command, really kind of took it in the mouth. Now, he was a lot better that, well, a lot better is probably, I shouldn't probably shouldn't say a lot because no one was very good today. He was certainly better than his final line will indicate and that's because the defense in this game was absolutely atrocious. The defense, horrible. The pitching, not good. The offense, historically horrible. The, the receiving, 
It's like the one thing that Tucker Barnhart ha- has been like solid at this season. He's been one of the worst hitters in, in, in Major League Baseball this season. But we're supposed to be getting good defense. We weren't really supposed to be caring about the, the offensive production at the plate. We've been told he cares a lot about his receiving. That was a horribly, especially when Erod was on the mound, a horribly received baseball game from behind the dish. I, I, I mean, I mean, the base running, terrible. Like the, for the what five people we got on base in this game, it, it was it was everything was an absolute train wreck, and. It started right away. What, two two batters into the game? We walk the first batter of the game. Julio has started off like every single game this series with a walk. We, we, we lead off walk, and then it's followed up by a tailor-made double play ball to Jamer Candelario. Just boots it. Punts his glove. Gets no outs. Nonetheless, two. And then, as I said, I, I thought Tucker Barnhart, who, again, that's like been one of the bright spots that, that I thought maybe bright spot is a little too positive. But uh, one, one of the things that he's at least brought is I thought he's called pretty decent games and I thought he's received pitches well. Did I mean, there were so many borderline strikes that just were, were the glove dropped right away. There was no attempt to frame them whatsoever. The, the, there were balls that were strikes that caught the black, just not even considered. Oh, that might have been a strike because of how horribly they were framed. Erod's command was all over the place. He was trying to nibble everything. He missed everything. Missed all of his spots when he was trying to nibble. Did not miss barrels. And then when, like when it rains, it pours. Like Then he had a couple of pitches that I thought he executed well, and they got babipped into the outfield. Like, I mean, it truly was an all-around, everybody involved. We have the Javi Baez play we'll talk about. I mean, it was what a what a terrible, terrible performance. And it's not even close to the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, twentieth time this season that we've been able to describe a performance by the team in that way. It's really sad. I guess we'll start with the pitching. If we want to break it down, now that I got my rant over, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the pitching. We'll start with what worked and what didn't work. Um, Erod started four innings, six hits, six runs, five of them earned two walks and five strikeouts. Um, just is still not hitting his spots. And, and he's been able to like, look, I mean, he threw 92 pitches in four innings, right? Like that, that's obviously really not efficient at all, but I mean, I'll be darned, man. Like if, if he threw what 30 pitches in the first inning, considering he threw five outs, like he, he was on the mound for five outs. If Jamer doesn't turn into an NFL kicker, like that's that, you know, 30, 30 pitches for five outs is not that bad. Efficiency wise. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not bad. But, you know, only only three of those outs were registered, and that's why you get 30 pitches after the first inning. And then in the second inning, 
he was taking pretty much everybody to like two, two counts, full counts. I, I mean, it was insane. In the first two innings alone, he, he was uh, a full count machine. Uh, just was not hitting his spots that were supposed to be on the black. Uh, on top of that, was not hitting his spots that were like comfortably in the strike zone when he was behind in counts. Uh, just, I, I mean, two walks in four innings isn't great, but uh, I mean, the biggest thing is when he missed, he was missing in the zone. Uh, average exit velocity, I guess, was quote unquote only 89 miles an hour, uh, which is anything below 90, I'm considering okay. But like he, he, two of those balls were crushed, right? Like the two homers were absolute nukes. Um, and yeah, I mean, he only had six whiffs. That's been a huge problem since he came back from the IL. Like he's, he's got, had some decent outings and he's had some efficient outings because his cutter and his sinker are such effective barrel missing pitches. But, uh, when you're getting hit around and and you're giving up a lot of hits and, and, and you're walking guys at a decently high clip, uh, you, you really need some bat missing stuff. And uh, he has not really displayed a consistent bat missing, bat missing pitch since coming back from, well, not the injury, since coming back from the restricted list, I should say. So his ERA is up to 417. Uh, it was like in the mid or low threes even before this outing, but obviously not too many starts this year. And six runs in four innings will spike that up. Five earned will we'll spike that up pretty quickly. So. Uh, definitely was not a masterclass performance by Red. We'll keep talking about the pitching and we'll get into the offense. But first, I have a message for you from the NHTSA. Uh, are you one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst thing that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? You're wrong. The truth is reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only do you put yourself in danger, but everyone around you as well. Talk about a buzzkill. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. All right, everybody. Welcome back here to segment two of the Locked On Tigers podcast. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen every single day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, so, Erod, yeah, just like didn't really have it today. Really, like I said, took it in the mouth. And and like, I mean, like I said, when it rains, it pours. Like there, there were some of those where I, I thought there was one specifically RBI with two outs. It was a bloop into shallow center field. Uh, he He missed the barrel entirely. And that was like, Maybe, I guess, in a perfect world, you could have had it like half an inch more inside. But, uh, I mean, that was like right about where you want it. Um, it, was, it was a cutter in on the hands and and uh, to a righty, and, and it just didn't matter. Took a big boy hack and, and muscled it out in between shortstop and center field. And, and then we have the hobby play. I think that was that play, actually. So let's get into that then. The defense was horrible. In this game, you start off, like I said, with Candelario and, and as you're going throughout the game, you have like constant batted, a lot of BABIP, which again, a, a good defense is very important to a lot of pitcher success, 
nonetheless, somebody like Erod, who who gets a lot of ground balls historically throughout his career, right? And we have given him a, a pretty putrid defense behind him. So then you have, you know, like a, some seeing eye singles, which aren't the worst thing in the world and aren't entirely on the defense, but still frustrating nonetheless. And then, like I said, you have some bloopers in the outfield. And then you have this miraculous play where a ball drops in between Javi Baez and Riley Green. And Javi Baez takes the baseball, turns around while spinning, does not even look at where he's like throwing the ball, if anyone's on second base, where the runners are. No regard for any of that information and just rifles it into the infield. And you're like, oh, like maybe like hopefully somebody's on second base maybe the the guy uh on first is like making a making a beeline for second no there's no one on second base erod is thankfully backing up second so the ball doesn't just roll and, and stop on pitcher's mound um no one to be seen on second that's a whole different thing i'm not really sure i understand they they both went for the uh the, the ball in center field and whatnot. And that's obviously where, where Javi is and, and where Willie is and such. But um, I, I'm not re- like pitcher. Maybe, maybe like you're supposed to be on second base. Um, but, but the ball just rolls into the infield and runner on first now can just walk to second because no one's there. Right. First baseman also. There's no point in you staying on first as as the guy on first is leaving first. There's no point. So second's wide open, and and Javi, with no regard for anything, just just chucks the ball in there. (laughs) I, 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 it's, it's, I saw there, there was, I don't know where it stemmed from, but there was this huge thing on Twitter today where, everybody was talking about the fact that they don't even watch the tigers anymore and like some pretty prominent people and and figureheads in the detroit sports media or or in the detroit twitter community uh just like openly admitting like yeah but like we don't watch the tigers anymore i i can't do it and a lot of fans joining in and saying yep 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 and i and i'm just like Stuff like that is is why. That that's horrible. It's horrible. What a what a boneheaded just like no justification for it. Zero. Paid you a lot of money. And, and like in the grand scheme of things, we lost by seven. Like it, it doesn't actually affect the game or make us lose or anything but it's it's just stuff like that drives me nuts same thing again like with with going back to the beginning of the show like horrible received game like something that that um very few people will point out and like freak out about but like that drives me nuts it it was just oh it's september we got a month left And, and honestly it's really sad that this is about to come out of my mouth, but I'm not sure I'm in my mid twenties. I'm not sure I've ever been more 
pleased. I'm not going to use the word excited, but I'm not sure I, I will be, I, I've ever been more pleased for a season to end than I will be after game 162 uh, of this season. I'm not sure I have like circled the date and been like, wow, and, and haven't been like, wow, baseball's over, Tigers baseball's over, this really sucks. And instead I'm like, holy cow, can we just get to the finish line? And, and I'll miss it in a week, right? Like I'll miss it five to 10 days after game 162. I'll, I'll miss the Tigers no matter what, just because like that's who I am. But I, I, I'm not sure I've ever had this feeling heading into the final month of the season. It's, it's so disappointing. So you have that play and, and it was horrible. And it, it not only cost uh, a runner guy on, on, on first who got the third was getting there anyway. I can't even remember who it was. It might've been J rod. Um, but inexcusable uh, allowing the, the guy who got the hit to just waltz his way over to second with, with no competition at all. And all you have to do is stand there and turn around and then just like stop and wait and be like, oh, let me assess the situation and not just underhand roll the ball into the infield, basically. Unreal. So you have that. And I I, I just, I feel like in the grand scheme of things this season, I have not highlighted how poor this defense is as much as I don't know if maybe I should have is really the right expression, but uh, this defense is really bad and I'm not sure I've talked about it. And uh, like given it's given the defense, it's due diligence and really driving home and like yelling in your ear. Like we talk about, how terrible the offense is every single day because it's historically bad. And the defense is not, this is not one of the worst defenses in the history of baseball by any stretch, but it is bad. It's not good. You have gotten very, very poor defense out of your catcher position. Uh, You've gotten not great defense out of the first base position. I know Torkelson scooped a lot of balls and whatnot and saved Javi from throwing errors, but uh, as far as like actually defending the position of first base, you haven't really gotten any good production out of that. Uh, second base, you've gotten elite defense from Jonathan Scope, but he's one of the worst qualified hitters in baseball, so yin-yang. But we're just focusing on defense, and he has objectively been one of the best defenders in the game of baseball this year. Then you get to Javi, who's comfortably leading baseball in errors. You get to Jamer Candelario, uh, who has not had a good season whatsoever defensively. Uh, you get to the outfield. Riley Green has, has covered a lot of ground and makes some nice plays, but but the corners aren't consistently good. It's just there, – there's actually a, there's a website. I believe it's the fieldingbible.com, I, I believe. And they – every year they take – they do team DRS, right? Everybody knows defensive run saves. And some people like it and some people don't. And me personally, I think – outs above average is, is pretty comfortably a better defensive stat when you're talking about individual players. But there's some situations where, you know, DRS is, is uh, intriguing to look at. But th- they do, at that website, they do team DRS. And the Tigers team DRS is middle of the pack. But they 
attribute correct shifts to team DRS. So if your team shifts the correct way and it causes an out, or if your your positioning has a positive effect on your defense, that uh, will give you a plus in team DRS. And they split it up for you. And if you look at the positioning numbers, we have some of the best positioning in the game of baseball because we have a very solid coaching staff, Sands, maybe the hitting department. If you look at just the amount of DRS that that we've gotten from every position and the non-shifted numbers, they're pretty much all, again, outside of second base, pretty much all comfortably negative. And and this this has been a team that uh, really outside of Tarek Skubal, who's now hurt for the remainder of the season, doesn't really have anyone on its starting pitching rotation that consistently gets whiffs. Matt Manning, again, has shown flashes, but has not had very many starts this year due to injury. Tarek Skubal obviously did, but uh, now he's hurt. All the patchwork guys are low whiff, low strikeout, pitch to contact dudes, and they've worked it together and pieced it together, um, but not without, I I mean, nearly guaranteed we're getting at least an error every game. Not great. All right, let's get to the offense to raise the mood right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Um, I also want to talk about the bullpen really quickly. So we'll do that, and then we'll get into the offense. Garrett Hill, three three innings pitched, one hit, two walks, two Ks. Um, Struggled with the fastball command a little bit at times, but as a whole, I was pretty pleased with him. Uh, This is an audition for dudes like him. This, this, you know, that's what this is. And with how many injuries we've had to the pitching staff, this is going to be, uh, you're, you're going to see a plethora of pitchers and they are all going to get opportunities because uh, you know you're going into, into next season with no Mize, no Scooble. And, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of solid production out of a lot of dudes that I don't think people really even expected to make the majors this year. Nonetheless, uh, get get be a significant part of the starting rotation. So, you're going to see a, a lot of – that's why they're getting Garrett Hill work out of the bullpen because he, even though they don't have a starting rotation spot for him anymore, they still want to audition him and such. So I really like that, and, and I want to give auditions to as many possible people. That that's should be the point of September baseball when you're 30-plus games under 500. See what you got in some other dudes because clearly the dudes that you have, your main core, are, are 30 games under 500. So – I'm all for it. Uh, I thought the fastball command again was a little rough, but um, you know, his biggest thing is just finding confidence and consistent swings and misses in a secondary pitch. Uh, he threw a changeup, a sinker, a slider, and a curveball in this game. Uh, but all com- I mean, he threw the forcing fastball nearly half of, of the time. So pretty significantly dominated by the heater. And uh, when the command wasn't that great, again, you're, you're not going to look for a, a fantastic outing. But it was shutout ball, couple of walks, again, command, whatever. Um, but didn't get hit too terribly hard. 
Uh, and, and and again, just just really needs to get a swing and miss pitch, and then fastball command is really the key for most pitchers in this league. So that's not really just relevant for him, but uh, definitely something I noticed today, nonetheless. Andrew Chafin was uh, was very solid as he always is. Don't have too much else to say on him. Uh, yeah, I mean his sinker and slider are very good pitches, and his ERA is now. Uh, below 285 on the year so really solid Chafin will be here next year uh, we'll see what kind of season we have and uh, what kind of trade talks we'll be into depending on what the, where the team is at, at the deadline next year but um, really solid season from Chafin and uh, yeah really really I mean a solid signing even though it, it you know relief pitchers don't really matter when you're 30 games under 500 having a good one at least doesn't really matter but um, has definitely had a really solid season and Jose Cisnero, yeah. So he finally – he was playing Ben Don't Break for a while. Finally broke. He finally gave up a run. ERA's over two now. It was whatever, 1-4 or 1-3, whatever it was. Uh, and I kept – I've been saying ever since he came back, like that low ERA is is so just like not uh, reflective of how much, honestly, I think he's struggled since coming back. Uh, and this game was certainly – it was a nice mix of everything. He had some BABIP that fell for a hit. He had some hard hit balls that fell for hits. It was just, it was just really again like when it rains, it pours. And it had a walk in there, like a self-inflicted wound. It, it was just not a very good outing. And and I, uh, I'm to the point now where, I, it, it's 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 just a little disheartening. Just and and, you know, I I believe that all these guys are 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 trying, but. Um, it's just disheartening because uh, he he was been so good the last two years, and then this season, just the injury clearly really affected him, and he's just not something's not right. He's just not the same guy he has been the last two years, where he's been, I think, pretty objectively our best reliever in our pen over the last two seasons. So, um, super disheartening, but I'm sure it's disheartening for him too. And I, I know he's trying to get back on track, but something got to get back to the lab. Something's not right. That's everybody that pitched. Uh, let's get into the offense. We had four hits and one walk. So five base runners. Five base runners for your Detroit Tigers. Riley Green had two hits in this one. Uh, he continues to, to look really good. The OPS is at 696. We're almost there. We're almost there. He's almost above 700. Uh, Victor Reyes, 0 for 4 with three Ks. I did not think that was a very good performance at all. I think he's honestly, I, I he had what a 12 game hit streak or whatnot where he looked really, really solid. And since, yeah, the, over the last three or four games, um, I, I know he's still gotten some hits in those games, but over the last three or four games, I thought his at bats have gotten um, pretty significantly less effective. Javi, uh, nothing new on that front. Harold Castro, the hit, sure. Eric Haas, Ofer, Willie Ofer, Jamer Ofer, Barnhart Ofer, Badu Ofer. You had zero hits and one walk in your one, five through nine hitters. Your entire bottom half of the lineup did not record a single hit. Not a recipe for success. Um, and, and like, yeah, the OPS game is is ridiculous. Harold's at 700 even now after this game. He's an 0 for away from, from uh, getting our whole lineup below 700. The OPSs are 
696, 676, 632, 700, 691, 638, 618, 517, and 462. That's the lineup today. Now, Cody Clemens, OPS in the 400s. Um, you have Kerry Carpenter, not a lot of at-bats. His is in, I think, like the high 700s, but very, very limited at-bats. Um, like, it's like even the bench, like there's nobody. There's just no one on this team that consistently hit. Miguel Cabrera's in the mid-600s. Um, it's... It's just same story, different day. And like... Look, Gilbert's a, a darn good pitcher, and he's going to be a really solid pitcher in this league for years to come. I hope he stays healthy uh, because he's really fun to watch. But this game was, again, for the millionth time, he threw 65% of his pitches were just four-seam fastballs, and yet he had 10 whiffs on them. And a 33% CSW percentage on his four seam alone. And for the whole outing, it worked out that way. But the average exit velocity on the four seam fastball that he threw 55 times was 83 miles an hour. I I mean, I, I genuinely, I seriously, I don't know why anyone else like, why, why would you even throw anything else? Literally just throw fastballs down the middle. I, it's it's mind-boggling. It, it never fails to amaze me how this team is just incapable of hitting fastballs down the middle. Professional baseball players get paid millions of dollars to do this. Can't hit 94 down the middle. Unreal stuff. Um, I didn't mention in yesterday's show. Uh, that Zach Short was the casualty of, at least I don't think I did. If not, we're talking about it now. Zach Short was the casualty of the three people being added. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, those three players are Spencer Torkelson, Ryan Kreidler, and Big Michael Pineda. So, um, Zach Short, we have two roster spots due to September call-ups. So, three people, two, quick math. Somebody's got to go. It's Zach Short. Um... Yeah, Ryan Kreidler will start on Friday. So that'll be an exciting thing for the season, hopefully. And yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, the, the team has certainly not been very good. As we talked about in this episode and have talked about nearly every day for the last four months. But uh, in that same breath, I think that, you know, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter, Ryan Kreidler, like we got it at least for me, some reasons to, to watch and, and, and keep me, um, keep me going. And, and maybe that'll be my, it'll get me to the end of the season, hopefully, but it's, it's been a long one. It's been a long one. College football is back. Happy college football is back. Day to those who observe, um, the, transfer deadline for European soccer was uh was also on Thursday so if you're a, if you're a football fan in that regard as well uh hopefully your team did what you wanted them to do and if they didn't I apologize mine didn't either and um I think that's it 
Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. Big stuff for hoops. Not looking forward to as as a Stones fan, as a Pistons fan. Uh, not really looking forward to facing Mobley, Mitchell, Allen, and Garland. Like, what do we play our, in our division? You play six times a year, six for the next like half decade plus. Not really looking forward to facing that that often for the next you know five seven years. But um, Pistons on the come up. Got a fun team this year. Can't wait for that. Um, yeah. There you go. There's my quick 30 second sport minute to try to raise the uh, the <laughs> what's the word I'm thinking of morale. That's the word. Raise the morale here a little bit. Um, thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team of experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining to the one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Just like us. Um, 30 games left. 30 games left. I really appreciate all of you uh so unbelievably much i it's it's remarkable to me that as bad as this team has been our numbers have not uh have not flustered here so i i will never ever take that for granted i'm so unbelievably thankful for uh all of you for letting me do this um so yeah even even with even when i (laughs) five days a week it's a really bad product to talk about i'm still uh, unbelievably grateful and uh, still look forward to interacting with y'all on a daily basis so peace and love going to therapy's dope and i'll catch y'all on monday baby go tigers